Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. With your daily confession to God of your known sins. This is so important, right? Um, it's important to our joy in the Lord. It's important to our walk with God, our fellowship with Him. It's important to our ability to sense His presence in our lives. That act of confession every day. And then the second thing in that, in that message was ask God to search your heart. The Bible teaches us that, that in the book of Psalms, that, that the Holy Spirit searches our hearts. And so I'd like to challenge you and ask you how you're doing. Ask God to search your heart, and, and whatever He reveals, openly confess that to Him. Anything that's out of alignment with His will. And then with confidence, trust Him that He has forgiven your sin and restored that relationship, no matter how you might feel, because feelings do not always reveal the truth. All right? When God says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that's a promise from God. And your feelings will lie to you when you confess that sin and you mourn over that sin and you bring that sin to God. It is under the blood of Jesus and it is cleansed. Now walk in joy. So I wanted, to, I wanted to challenge you on that. I want to ask you how you're doing. Uh, maybe you've forgotten, and I hope that you haven't, because I really believe that that message is a life-changing, life-giving message. Confess daily, ask God to search your heart daily, and then confess whatever He's revealed to you. This week, I want to bring you to the Sermon on the Mount, so if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps or your online church and there's a Bible there, look in your Bibles to Matthew, look in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 5, Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 1, Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. This is not in my message this morning, but sit a spell on that. Blessed are the merciful, 
And look in the mirror of God's Word and ask yourself this question. How merciful are you to those in your life? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is what I was alluding to just a moment ago. When we confess our sin, and then we ask God to search our heart, and if He shows us, reveals anything there, and we confess that sin, do you know what that makes you? Pure in heart. And then you can live in His presence and spiritually see Him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Be blessed. Be blessed. That's the title of the sermon this morning. And what we just referred to is kingdom law. This is kingdom law. When Jesus uh, was speaking to his disciples, what he was doing was he was laying out for them kingdom law. See, when you come to Jesus and you ask the Lord Jesus to be your savior, that is to say, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins in mind. In other words, he took your place. Theologically speaking, that's called a substitutionary sacrifice, a vicarious death, right? So he took the punishment you deserve. I want you to understand this. It's as if you were called into court for a crime that you did, and that crime required a hefty fine. And if you didn't pay the fine, you were going to be thrown in to jail for an undeterminate period of time. And you sat before the judge, and you plead to the judge, I am Guilty, but I don't have the money to pay the fine. Okay, this is Jesus, is the judge. He sits there, he looks at you, he has mercy on you. He says, you are right, you are guilty. And then he gets down from his, his, um, his podium and he, and he walks over to you and he writes a check out for the fine that you owe. And he said, now take this check and go pay the clerk. And all you have to do is take the check. Trust in Jesus. That's what it means. He paid your penalty. He took your punishment and mine. And he's given us the means to be forgiven. To be what the Bible refers to as saved. To have a home in heaven and to have a new father who is God himself. And to have the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And later this year, we'll talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know Jesus in that personal kind of way? That's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. This is kingdom law. It's, it's laid out for those who are part of the kingdom, those who have trusted in Jesus. They are things in this law, this Sermon on the Mount, that we cannot accomplish consistently without the power and the person of His Holy Spirit. And listen, man, I hope it excites you that we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit later on this year because He is awesome. I think about five years ago, I did a series called Jesus is Awesome. 
We might have to do the Holy Spirit is awesome. Uh, He is the power. He is the person. He is the presence. He is the comfort of God in our lives. And he is the one that enables us to do what we cannot do. And living a life doing what you can't do, man, there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it. He's awesome. I want you to understand that I know that this is kingdom law because Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He went away and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he taught them. Right? This is kingdom law. It's the penultimate Christian walk. It's beautiful and it's fulfilling and it's amazing and it's joy in suffering. It's sacrifice and it's integrity and it's honor. Kingdom law should be attractive to those who are a part of the kingdom. You see, uh, unfortunately, the enemy comes in and he lies to us and he tries to get us to believe that living by the kingdom law is a life that is joyless a life that lacks fulfillment, a life that lacks purpose, a life that is dull and drab and gray, and it is the complete and utter opposite of that life. See, God calls us not to sin, but when you begin to understand that sin is sin, when God decides what is sin and what is not sin, sin are those things that, that harm self, harm others, or cross the law of God. And it's bad for us. And when we begin to walk in kingdom law and we begin to see victory over sin in our lives, man, there is nothing like living a life where you go a day, two, three, four, a week without participating in a sinful behavior, word, attitude, or action. Because as believers and as members of God's kingdom, oh, there is nothing better than living like a citizen of that kingdom on this earth. The opening of the Servant on the Mount shows us that God desires our joy to be full. Now, this is interesting because, again, many will tell you that religion, and when they say religion, they bunch us all together, is there to strip you of joy, happiness, everything, and and make you subject to the rulers in the church and, and put you in handcuffs and restrict you. And the reality is God is concerned about our joy. Now, there's some in religious circles that say this is man-centric preaching. Well, all I can tell you is that God, Jesus, spoke the Beatitudes, which we just read, the blessed ours, and that means happy and favored are you, right? Happy and favored are you. This same Jesus said that he wants our joy to remain and for our joy to be full, right? And then the Apostle Paul, the chief leader of the New Testament Christian church, wrote a whole book whose theme was joy and rejoicing. And that book, that letter is called Philippians. So God is concerned about our joy. He is concerned about our fulfillment. And when we follow kingdom law, this is what it brings to us. We see as he opens with these statements, blessed are that he is concerned about our joy. He cares for us and we should care for others, right? So this morning, I want to lead us through just a couple of the Beatitudes, these nine statements of favor, nine words of emphasis on the concern of Jesus for his disciples. So the first verse that we looked at is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're taking notes and you're on the Bible app or you're over on the church online app, There's a spot for notes. I want you to understand this. Poor equals 
needy. Poor equals needy, right? Um, this word needy has a bad rap, doesn't it? Think about that. Have you ever met somebody that's um, needy, right? Have you ever met someone that's high maintenance? We look at that as a negative, don't we? Like, oh my gosh, she's so high maintenance, or he's so high maintenance. Uh, however, God looks at being needy as the doorway to the kingdom of heaven. The doorway to becoming one of his citizens in this kingdom. See, here's the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I just brought to you to open this message about Jesus taking your place, taking your punishment. Here's the reality. You've got to know that you need him. Jesus says later on in, in, in the gospel records, he said, they uh, that think they are well have no need of a physician. Those that think they're righteous, those that think they're good enough, holy enough, smart enough, whatever enough, will never come to that place or cannot in that moment come to that place where they are needy of Jesus. And this is the importance when we preach the gospel. Listen, it's bad news and it's good news. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the needy in spirit. To be needy in spirit is so much deeper than someone who wants to take advantage of you and someone that can never be satisfied. It's a soul neediness. The Bible teaches us that everyone born on earth, except for Jesus, is absolutely 100% poor in spirit, needy in spirit. And you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that. We are born with an emptiness that some can feel keenly, and others, until they're confronted with it, don't seem to feel it at all. And so I want to challenge you this morning. If you haven't come to Jesus, the reality is this. You are needy in spirit. Open your eyes. See your sinful self before a holy God and fall on your knees at his feet and trust in Jesus to lift you up. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the arrogant in spirit, not the rich in spirit, right? Not the wealthy in spirit, but those that know they are needy, know that there is a void. And many of us seek to fill this void with good works, relationships, vocation, money, religion. But it's the ultimate need in life. And it can't be filled with any of those things. And unfortunately, many go to the grave without ever having that neediness satisfied. I hope that you'll trust Jesus this morning. I hope you'll stop relying on religion. It's not enough. It can't fill the void. I hope you'll stop relying on your money. It's not enough. It can't fill the void. I hope you'll stop relying on relationships. They're not enough. They can't fill this void. I hope you'll stop relying on good works and good deeds and morality. You can't be moral enough to fill that void. You need Jesus. And I'm going to show you just a moment here what that void is. And this is my plea for you. That she would come to Jesus this morning. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 shows us what this void is. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 shows us what this void is. Then the Lord took the man and put him 
in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. This man is Adam, the first man ever created. Do I believe in a literal Adam and a literal Eve? I believe absolutely that God created Adam and Eve and put Adam in the Garden of Eden to tend it. Some mistakenly think that work is the curse. Adam had a job. He was tending the garden. He was taking care of the garden. And that was a blessing, right? Anyways, I digress. The Lord commanded Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. Well, when I was a young believer, the enemy came to me and said, look, God's word is wrong. God lied because Adam ate the fruit and Adam didn't die. And I didn't understand biblically what had happened when Adam ate the fruit, but I understand it now as I've grown in faith and grown in understanding and wisdom and knowledge is this, that man, man and woman, we are created as three-part beings, right? Spirit, soul, and body. That soul, usually we talk about the soul, that's who you are, that's your personality, that's your heart, that's who you are. Your body, that's kind of obvious, right? Some of us are in better shape than others, but we all have a body. And then the spirit is that unique connection to God. Your spirit is that thing that, that enables you to communicate directly to your creator. It's a unique, it's connection. And, and in the moment that Adam took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, his spirit died. His spirit died. That unique ability to connect to God in that intimate way was broken. And it's interesting because we know this. Adam apparently used to walk with God in the garden in the afternoon every day and he'd spend time hanging out with God, fellowshipping with God. It was a close, intimate relationship. And after Adam fell and his spirit and Eve's spirit died, you see God walking alone in the garden. And he's calling out, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? That spiritual connection was severed. The spirit of that man died that day. And every man after him to be born was born with a dead spirit. Soul, body, dead spirit. That is the void that you and I have been born with. And that void can only be filled by Jesus. This severing of the Spirit needs to be mended. This death of our Spirit needs to be resurrected. And this is why Jesus came and He will give new life to all who will come to Him by faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says this, And you hath He quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sins. That word quicken means made alive. That's what happens. The moment you take the sacrifice of Jesus as your own and you trust in what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his deity, and you say, Jesus, God Almighty, save my eternal soul, 
He resurrects that dead spirit within you. And that spiritual, intimate connection with God is restored. It's mended. And it's amazing. In Proverbs chapter 27, now I want to take us a little bit further for those that are believers. And perhaps for those that are not. As in, in Proverbs 27, 19, as in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. So here's the reality. If you have that void within you, you are constantly seeking for ways to satisfy it, and you just don't know it yet. And I hope this morning you see it. That the only way to satisfy that void, the only way to satisfy that emptiness, the only way to satisfy the severing of your spirit is to trust in Jesus. And have that spirit in you resurrected. But here's the, here's the rub. Here's a difficult thing. As believers in Jesus, we have an enemy. And if the enemy, listen, when you came to Jesus, if you'll come to him this morning, the enemy loses his hold, his grip on you. And you become eternally secure in the hand of Jesus. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And they know me. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and no one is able to pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father and I are one. That's John chapter 10, Jesus talking about himself. So when we come to Jesus and we have our spirit restored and resurrected, right? We come to Jesus. We are held by Jesus. We will never be let go, right? And, and, and we, we can be full and filled and passionate and joyful and excited and have a life of purpose when we have Jesus in our hearts. And so the enemy, he can never get us out of the grip of Jesus. And so what does the enemy do? He is the king of distraction. He is the king of deception. And he will come to you and he will come to me and he will try to draw our eyes away from the only thing that can fill the emptiness inside. He tries to, tries to draw our, way, our, our eyes away from Jesus. Jesus is the only way not only to be saved, but to live a joyful life. We come to Christ and then the enemy comes in and he tries to throw all of these distractions our way. Sometimes they were things that we were involved in before we came to Christ. Sometimes they're relationships that we were involved in before we came to Christ. And he comes and he tries to distract us. The enemy comes and he knows you. Listen, the enemy knows you. He's watched you your whole life. And he knows exactly how to work on you. So my admonition for those that are believers today is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust Him. Trust Jesus, believer. Trust Jesus if you haven't trusted Him yet. He is better than the best that the world or the devil has to offer. He is better than the best that the world and the enemy have to offer. Do you believe that, Christian? Because you should. When we talk about bless God, bless others, be the blessing, it's a motto here at church. It's our purpose, our mission, our vision is to be the blessing of God to a world that doesn't know Him. 
And we have a food pantry, and our food pantry is fantastic. I think the last I heard, we help some 40 families a month regularly. And we've handed out some boxes of blessings to, to those that are struggling through this COVID-19 thing. And I expect us to hand out, hand out and, and we have people that hand deliver these boxes. I expect that to increase in the coming months. But the reality is, as wonderful a blessing as it is to give someone food nourishment, as wonderful as a ble- of a blessing as it is to, to give somebody uh, a, a few hundred dollars to help them make the rent, as wonderful a, a blessing as it is to, to help somebody get to a... I mean, I, my son and I, the, a guy walked on our property and he said, I'm trying to get a, a bus ticket so I can get back to wherever. And I'm like, well, jump in the car, I'll take you down to the bus station. My son and I bought him a bus ticket, right? As... as as much as a physical, material blessing, as much as that is good to do, it pales in comparison to the blessing of Jesus and eternal life. And the reality is this. Many believers, you've come to Christ and you've trusted Him for your salvation, but you have become so distracted that you've lost the joy of your salvation and you don't even realize it, but you've replaced it with subpar things. And so you walk through this world appearing to be no better off than anyone else. And suffering comes your way, and you crumble like a house of cards. You fall apart. Trials and temptations come your way. And we, we walk around frightened and confused. And in this time of absolute uncertainty... The ones that should be standing strongest with the most confidence and even with joy are those who have Jesus because he is present in our lives. Don't take the counterfeit, Christian. You need Jesus as much today as the first day you met him. He's the only thing that can fill you. Oh my. Sin has a way of coming into our lives. And ruining our joy. It has a way of distracting us from our Savior. It has a way of, of, of dividing us from our intimate connection to God. Now, the, the enemy in our sin cannot take us away from God. But they can spoil that fellowship. They can spoil that fellowship. See, when I was saved, I became connected to God. In the very same way Adam was connected to God before he fell in the garden. Christian, do you understand that's what you have? We sometimes get so caught up, right? I can't wait to get to heaven. Who can't wait to get to heaven? It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to get to heaven, but we get so caught up in thinking that <clears throat> that's the only way we'll have that complete and full joy that we have to wait until we get to heaven. But the reality is the joy is ours presently if we live in the presence of Jesus. That's the reality. If we begin to allow Jesus to wash away the sins in our lives and to build that connection with Him, the Father and the Holy Spirit, man, you are walking, you are, listen, you are a sliver of heaven on earth. And people will notice it. People will see it. And they might even ask you for a reason of the hope that is within you. 
And you might be able to say with Peter, I have joy inexpressible and full of glory. Oh, that's my prayer for Emmanuel and for all who come to us, whether through our live stream or come in the building later on this year. Oh, my prayer is that they would know that kind of joy, that they would know that kind of relationship and that kind of connection with God. And if you're a believer, you can have it. You can have it. The very same connection that Adam had walking with God in the garden. You can walk with God. And it's amazing. That's what it means to have a living spirit. But sometimes, sometimes sin, again, gets in the way, ruins the joy of his presence. We hold on to shame in our hearts. Instead of mourning over our sin and moving on, we mourn and we stay in that state of mourning and we don't put the sin into the blood of Jesus. We pray and we confess, but we don't move on. Can I, can I, can I, can I admonish you? Move on. Move on. Bring your sin to Him sincerely. Yes, mourn over it. Be serious about it. Don't make light of it. But when you've put it under the blood of Jesus, move on. Sometimes I'm guilty of this. I hold shame to my heart and instead of mourning and moving on, I stay too long in the sin, in the house that sin built. I stay too long in the shack that sin built. See, what sin builds is a poor imitation of what Jesus is building for you. It's full of drafts and full of bugs. It's insecure and filthy. And the enemy knowing that we're beyond his wicked reach, must convince us to stay in the house of shame of our own accord. The only way we stay in sin, guys, is if we want to. That's, that's what the enemy tries to get us to do. So if you're a believer here, there's hope for you this morning. Not only can you be poor in spirit, recognize that, oh my Lord, I have allowed distractions to come in my way and I've been trying to fill this void that you have already filled and I need to have confidence in you. This is where you can go, Christian. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. (laughs) Hunger and thirst. Find that hunger again. Now remember when I came to Jesus to ask Him to be my personal Savior once and for all, to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me and to make me His child, and grant unto me eternal life and a home in heaven. I remember the day that I did that, I was so hungry and so thirsty to be good like Jesus. Not just to be good so I could get to heaven, but to be good for goodness sake. Not to be good so that I could prove to people that I'm good, but to be good, genuinely, sincerely righteous. And Jesus says here, you will be filled. Christian, if you've allowed the enemy to distract you, to take your eyes off the prize, to take your eyes off of Jesus, if you've allowed the enemy to introduce counterfeits in your life, Stir up that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Come back to the well for the living water that He gave you when you first came to Christ. 
Remember the joy that you had when your sins were forgiven and you had a new name written down in glory and you became a child of God. You remember that day. That's not inescapable. You can get that back. Hunger and thirst for it and bring it to Jesus. But not only that, go to Jesus to have it fulfilled. I'm going to leave you with a passage of Scripture this morning. Isaiah chapter 55. Y'all ought to underline this. Whether you know Jesus or not, y'all ought to underline this. Here's the prophet Isaiah. He was of the royal household of Israel. He is the most prolific prophet besides Moses in the Old Testament. Isaiah has been said to be the crown jewel of the Old Testament. It is like an amazing book. And in Isaiah, we have prophecy of Jesus coming. We have the prophecy of Jesus' crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection in Isaiah chapter 53. But here in Isaiah chapter 55, listen to what he says. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen careful to me, carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. That's us, by the way. Here, God is talking about nations that were not part of Israel running to God through the Holy One of Israel, Jesus. To have our souls satisfied, to have that severed spirit reconnected and revived and resurrected. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way. Why? Wickedness, it separates us. It stains us. It sickens the soul. Listen, man, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. Listen, what does it say? For he will abundantly, abundantly, abundantly pardon. This is why I say, yes, bring your sin to Jesus. Yes, mourn over your sin, but don't don't stay there. Don't bring your sin to Jesus wondering, will He forgive me this time? Have I failed one time too many? He will abundantly pardon. Over and above, beyond what we can ask or think, He will pardon us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I will challenge you this morning. Trust Him. Trust Him. 
He will not let you down. Those of you who are believers in Jesus, and you've allowed the enemy to come in and offer you a counterfeit, and you're afraid to let go, to get back into his presence and you're afraid either maybe he won't take you back maybe you're just afraid of losing the fun things in your life trust him i don't believe he will take from you anything that is good for you when i was away in my counseling retreat one of the last things that we worked on was surrender and the way i grew up i believed surrender meant basically losing everything to me, surrender was a net loss. That is, you know, it doesn't matter what you gain, you've lost. And while I was away, I came to understand as I opened this message that God has proven that He cares so much for your joy, so much for your happiness, so much for you that you can easily place yourself in His hands and he will not take from you something that you enjoy unless it's harmful to you or separates you from him, which is harmful to you. And what I found out that day was the enemy was making me think that if I surrender to God, I won't be able to do this, or I won't be able to do that, or I won't, these things that I really enjoy, I won't be able to do them anymore. And what I found was that was a lie because those things weren't sinful. They weren't separating me from him. So he allowed me to keep them and enjoy them. But the enemy was trying to use good things in my life as a wedge to separate me from my God. And so what I found was joy unspeakable, full of glory, an amazing thing. Trust him. Trust him. Well, I want to challenge you this morning. If you're in the sound of my voice, within the sound of my voice, I want to ask you a question. If you were to die today, and we are living in a time of absolute uncertainty, and people are scared, but if you were to die today and you're afraid of that, would you open your eyes in heaven with God living in complete joy and freedom? Or would you open your eyes in hell, separated from God in darkness and fear and trembling? If you were to die today, would you come before God as your friend? Jesus coming down out of the bench, having paid for your sins? Or would you be sitting there rejecting his sacrifice. And in that moment, being required to pay for your own sins. See, God's our creator. He makes the rules. We just have to follow them. And from the very beginning, he planned to sacrifice himself. The third person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, planned to come to die a horrible death for his creation. He took responsibility for what he had made to pave the way back to himself. If you'd say this morning, Pastor, I'm not sure 
I'm not 100% certain that if I died, I'm going to heaven. Why not? Well, I'm not sure I'm good enough. I'm not sure I've done enough good works. I'm not sure I've balanced the scales. And What I hope you've learned today and over the last number of weeks is that you can't balance the scales. Matter of fact, this beautiful gift of salvation, forgiveness of our sins, and the resurrection of your spirit, it's impossible for us to do. We can't do it. So you might do a bunch of good works. Maybe, maybe you even do more good works than bad works. Maybe you're one of those good people. But you still will have a dead spirit. You've got to trust in Jesus alone. He is the only one that can wash away your sin and give you a new and living spirit. Will you trust in Him this morning? If you would like to, and you believe that He is God in the flesh and came and died on the cross for you, you believe that He rose from the grave, and you recognize that you are sick of your sin, and you want to be forgiven and you want to be given a new way of life, would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, living room, dining room, bedroom. Maybe you're in your car. Would you pray with me? Turn your heart to God. Pray, Lord Jesus, I come before you. And I recognize that my spirit within is dead and that I am a sinner by choice and by birth. And I am so tired of the sin that weighs me down. And I have come to understand that your death and your burial and your resurrection is the only way that I can have these sins washed away and that I could be given a new and living spirit. And so, Father God, Holy Spirit Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me and to give me that living spirit and to make me your child and to help me to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I believe what the Bible says, that since I have come to you and I am calling on you, that I am saved, that you have indeed cleansed me of my sin, and that I am now your child, and I have a supernaturally living spirit within me right this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my eternal soul. Father, I pray for Christians this morning, for all of us that that we have allowed the enemy to come in and to distract us, to think that we could have something else in our life that could fill us. Lord, I pray that you would pour within us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and that we would recognize only as we hunger and thirst for righteousness can we be filled and that filling comes from our relationship with you and your presence in our lives. Lord, help us not to accept a counterfeit. Help us to trust that you have our good in your heart. Thank you for gathering us apart together today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. 
Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.